Hey there, everybody. Welcome back to the Gamerpreneur Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Bradford Carlton. Today's episode, I have a very special guest with us. I have Jace McCormick. Hey there, Jace. How's it going? Hi. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing pretty well. Oh, it's a beautiful sunny day in Las Vegas. How about yourself? Doing pretty well. I'm here in uh, Las Cruces, New Mexico, and uh, it's, it's pretty nice. Pretty nice weather. I um, remember driving through New Mexico, and it, that is real desert. Yeah. I thought when I came to Las Vegas, it was going to be desert. No, this place is green. <laughs> yeah, we're kind of we're kind of terraforming out here. We have uh, some people who are planting uh, lots of greenery, and uh, others who are going the zeroscaping route. So it's it's an interesting interesting place. For sure. All right. So, Jace, why don't you go ahead and just tell us a little bit about yourself, and then we can get started. Sure, absolutely. Um, my name is uh, Jace McCormick. I'm uh, 33 years old. I'm uh, married and I have uh, uh, three children. Uh, two of them are surviving. Uh, so I have uh, one little one who's, uh, you know, up above. And um, my uh, boys pretty much run my day. So especially with all this COVID stuff, um, they're pretty much my 24-7 uh, schedule. Everything kind of operates around them. Um, normally during the regular uh, non-pandemic times, I'm a uh, substitute teacher. I work uh, long-term working in high schools and middle schools. Uh, so I teach all, all subjects, all grade levels, and um, usually in the summer I'm teaching technology classes, uh, program design, uh, how to code, stuff like that. And usually when I'm not uh, working in schools, I'm actually acting. So I actually act uh, as a background actor, usually um, a featured member of certain scenes, depending on the film or the movie project. And um, besides that, I try to find gaming uh, to fit somewhere in that lifestyle and somewhere in that schedule. I love it. All right, so this is the Gamerpreneur, so I need your gaming cred. When did you first start playing video games? Oof, about three years old. Um, I actually got to start playing with an actual controller uh, when my older brother had to go do chores or step away and do homework. So uh, I remember my first memory being uh, Mario on the original NES system. And uh, my brother used to unplug the controller and let me uh, pretend like I was playing. And <laughs> I remember about three years old, I finally was able to pick up the controller and, and finally start playing myself. Wonderful. I'm fairly certain I did that to my brother as well, and he resents me to this day. <laughs> yeah, it's hard not to repeat that as a father, you know. Uh, you don't want to do that to your kids, but uh, life-work balance, you have to find time for gaming, and you also have to make sure you balance your kids too, you know. That's right. And I'm assuming the love of video games just continued throughout life? Absolutely. Um, I initially started as a, a PlayStation player. Uh, I first started playing PlayStation when I was in middle school. And um, one day a buddy of mine said, uh, hey, have you ever heard of uh, Halo? And I go, uh, no, what's that? <laughs> and he brought me over into the Xbox family and uh, it's kind of been just a thing ever since. Um, I even tried to take it professional when I was in high school and uh, when I first started in college. I tried to be a professional Halo player. Awesome. I will never forgive them for nerfing the needler like they did. <laughs> yeah. We still have discussions and arguments about uh, dual wielding and all of those things, you know. Right on. So what do you play today, if anything? I, I still play on Xbox. Uh, so Xbox One is my current platform. I do still have my um, Nintendo systems, you know, all my Game Boy Advance and Game Boy uh, cartridges. I still play, play those. And uh, right now I'm 
reintroducing myself to the Nintendo Wii again. I've started to play with my sons and kind of going back to an old platform and playing some of those fun interactive games. So I I find it funny that people call the Wii old. Like it was not that long ago. (laughs) You think of it in terms of iterations and you say, well, I had the Wii, I didn't go to the Wii U, and now there's the Switch. And I, I consider myself a few consoles behind, you know? I got the Wii U. I forgot about the Wii U. Like, I think about the Wii because that was, like, so big for a long time. But, all right. Um, favorite game of all time? Oof, that is tough. Um, I am going to have to say probably uh, Halo Combat Evolved. That was a huge game changer in my life where... I started to actually realize what um, mutual competitive play was. Uh, as a Sony player, PlayStation, I was always playing single player games. And when I first started playing Combat Evolved, it led to tournaments, it led to travel around the United States. Um, we also kept up a Monday Night Halo. Everybody has, you know, Monday Night Football. <laughs> we had Monday Night Halo for about 15 years every Monday. All right, very cool. Okay, let's come go over to the preneur part. You said you're a substitute teacher and actor. So can I, give me kind of your professional background. How did you end up where you're at today? It's, it's really interesting. Um, the substitute job kind of uh, fell into place because um, our current district uh, needed teachers. And at the time, there was a a summer job opening at the university, and they were looking for somebody who was intelligible in video game design, multimedia. And as an avid gamer, I thought, I know a lot about this stuff. I could probably teach it. And so it started out as an introductory course to children, how to program and code in Minecraft. Um, how to take the game apart, how to uh, manipulate different uh, aspects in the game. And once I realized that I was really good at teaching, I thought, okay, these summer programs are only a few months, only a few months during this summer, about three months. I thought, well, what can I do with the rest of my time, the rest of the school year? And a few people just kind of networked with me and said, um, We have an early college academy that could sure use you. We also have our local high schools, and it kind of just kind of snowballed from there, actually. Very cool. I still have no idea how to use Redstone. (laughs) (laughs) There is actually something called the Redstone Academy, and uh, it's actually a, a world you can download, and it will show you everything that you can do with it, which blows me away still to this day. All right. I will have to check that out. And something I want to get my daughter into is, is programming and, and coding. And like, if I can get her to do it in a video game, she's still barely able to get Mario to jump, but like, we'll right. get there eventually. I know. I feel the same with my son. He doesn't quite grasp how to get Mario to move forward while jumping. That's just going to take some time and effort, of course, like anything else. But Wii Bowling, my son picked up Wii Bowling and has been destroying me in terms of uh, who gets the highest score. He's destroying me in Wii Bowling, and he's four. He's four years old. (laughs) I love it. Okay, so you kind of have two paths here, and let's kind of start on the substitute teaching first. Um, You teach at the college level, or you also teach at the high school level? 
primarily high school level. We okay. have one high school that is con it's designated as an early college academy. And the students who go to this particular high school are earning credit towards college and usually have um, close to an associate's by the time they're finishing high school. It's pretty incredible. Very cool. Yeah. All right. So on the substitute teaching part, how, how does that work? Because I, I haven't had a guest on where I've asked this kind of question, but like, how do you get a job? Um, I mean, is, you're not centered anywhere, right? Right, exactly. It's actually very intuitive. It's really neat. Um, they have these subfinder programs. You can either use your computer or you can use your phone. And it's actually, um, it feels like you're a free agent. It feels like you're up for hire whenever you want. And you can take any gig you want, any job. And you can also decline if you don't want to. So an automated system can call you. And it will tell you the designation. It'll say the high school, the time, and what the um, job entails for how long. And the craziest part about it was I took this job as a way to earn money while I continued to act. And what continued to happen to me is a high school would call me and say, we need a math teacher this year, and we need you to come in for like the rest of the year. <laughs> And there were a few like hymns and haws about it initially, but I thought, well, I don't have to wake up every day wondering where I'm going to go. And I don't have to say yes and no to all kinds of jobs. Here's a, a good job that's ready to go like for the rest of the year, you know? Okay. And how, how like, I, if you're willing to tell me, how's the pay as a sub as opposed to a regular teacher? I've heard right. subs get paid more. Oh, it depends on the situation, but um, in actuality, uh, in our school district, a normal substitute, just their first year, um, unfortunately, that is more designated towards people who are usually in college working to become a teacher, and they have to get a certain amount of hours under their belt. That's about $9 an hour, mm -hmm. and we, we have some restaurant jobs um, that pay 10 or more here, you know. Um, after you uh, reach a uh, equivalency, you've been a sub for a few years, you reach a higher range. And that range is anywhere between 11 to $13 an hour. And that's, um, that's, that's about comfortable for a sub job. It's, you know, it doesn't have benefits, it doesn't give you any of the retirement, but at least it's um, something tangible. Okay. And what is it like just kind of popping into a new subject? You know, hey, we got a call. You just show up. You're teaching history today. Like, what's that like? I would say that it depends on your personality. If you're very open and open-minded, you can walk into a situation and all the directions and all the directives are laid out in front of you. And you have to follow it and just do the task, do the job. I'm more on the side of... I like to learn, so I like to learn about a lot of different things. Uh, kind of a jack of all trades, master of none. And so um, when it comes to most subjects, I can usually bring in my experience, I can bring in my knowledge base. And if I'm not sure, if I have to prep, I can usually pick up the book and kind of skim it, scan through it. And I more or less know, okay, I need to know what I'm talking about if I'm to teach this. So you know, better practice it, better study it, you know, just like any other profession. You have to know what you're doing if you're going to do it. You have to be able to teach it, you know, you have to understand it.
you know. Absolutely. All right. So are you one of those good subs? Because I remember back when I was in school, we they like you got one sub, you're like, oh, we're gonna this one's gonna suck. <laughs> and are you like just put the movie in kind of guy? <laughs> right, you know, that's the thing. Um, growing up, my substitutes were terrible. They were pretty bad. Um, I was usually the quiet kid who just wanted to keep his head down and uh not get in trouble with my classmates for answering too many questions and uh, not get in trouble with my teacher for not being responsive. <laughs> it's kind of like trying to find balance. Well, what I really did as a substitute is take that and internalize that and modify that and say, for some of these students, this is a day that's a little bit disruptive for them because their teacher's gone. Their normal routine has been changed or modified substantially uh, some kids need that routine and when there's a change you notice that change in behavior the acting out isn't necessarily that they're bad kids it's that change can make some uncomfortable so I'll equate it this way growing up I always wanted to be a comedian I love to perform I love um, to act in film I like to play an instrument I was always deathly afraid of oh my gosh, if I'm a comedian, there's going to be a heckler out there and they'll destroy me. I'm going to tell you right now that being a teacher, being a substitute is like being a seasoned pro comedian. You got to be ready for the heckling. You got to be ready for like all the personalities and all the behaviors. And you just have to kind of go with the flow and maintain, um, maintain course through all the distractions. Wonderful. Okay, how about the acting side? What got you into that? So that started out in high school. I was uh, performing as a trumpet player. Um, I've been playing trumpet for about 15, 20 years. And it was just, it was just an elective. It was, uh, you either have to take French or German or go into music. And I was like, I'm going into music, <laughs> you know. And uh, along the way, um, performing just came really natural. Uh, like I said, someone who didn't um, stand out in class, someone who just wanted to keep his head down. I was not the natural class clown. And I tried to avoid it at all possible, <laughs> if at all possible. In high school, I started to see the opportunity to act and to perform and, and join in plays. Um, my senior year, a gig kind of fell into my lap. Um, a friend of mine, his uh, father was a huge uh, political, you know, person, and they were getting ready to film a bunch of ad campaigns. And they said, we're looking for young, enthusiastic men who could um, portray uh, steel workers, like, uh, like at a steel mill or something. And I thought, I could do that. I could pull that off. And so in my senior year, I actually skipped class. <laughs> showed up to a film set and uh, signed a non-disclosure saying I wouldn't put pen to paper about this. Um, I agreed that I would uh, show up and dress up like a worker and that a politico, a political figure was going to come in and, and talk to us and they were going to film it. And uh, 17, 18 years old, you're not, your presence of mind isn't really there. You're not thinking ahead. You're not thinking responsibly in the way that a much older person would. So they came in and filmed it. Um, this was for a uh, person who was running for governor. <laughs> and at the end of all the filming, the whole filming day, 
um, they brought us a piece of paper and it said, thank you for letting us hire you as an actor. Um, you'll be compensated uh, depending on the results of the election and whatever funds are available at the end of the campaign. And so I thought, okay, if this person wins and if there's money left, I'll get paid. Okay. It was just fun to do it. You know, it was just a great experience. Um, that person ended up becoming our governor and did not pay any of the actors, didn't pay the film crew. <laughs> And it was a really big learning experience for me. I learned this. Even for ad campaigns and commercials, this is kind of ruthless. Yeah, that sucks. I'm sorry to hear that. You know, so that was my intro. That was my intro. Yeah. Tough lesson. It was a really tough lesson, but, you know. Okay. All right. So um, how are you uh, expressing your acting skills today? Well, I would say that it helps in the classroom. You have to be bold and brave with your students. You, um, it's really funny. They say, oh, be careful uh, with children. Uh, don't show any fear. <laughs> um, <laughs> like wild animals, right? <laughs> yeah. And it's absolutely true. If you keep your composure, if you keep your calmness, um, no matter what kids can throw at you, whatever bad day they're having, um, you can be there for them however you need to. And you can just do your job, which is the point of it. And I've had the occasional student say, um, you know, Mr. McCormick, you're this incredible teacher. Like, why aren't you a teacher? And I tell them all the time, you know what? I'm really good at acting like I'm a good teacher. <laughs> I said, uh, a lot of it comes down to just uh, two things. If you want to be good at something, you have to be passionate about it. At least it seems that way. If you, if you want to be uh, exemplary or extraordinary, you have to put forth effort. And so with my students, as with my acting, it's always about full effort and always putting in the maximum, even if the day isn't going so good, even if you're not having a lot of fun with it. Um, in particular, uh, one war movie that I did, the um, director of photography and the director uh, decided that every shot needed, you know, six or seven takes. And it seemed like the day went on forever. It was a 12 hour day. And you just have to realize, you know what, I'm here to do a job and put the complaining aside and just, just do the work, you know? Wonderful. All right. So what skills do you possess that somebody else doesn't, that makes you uniquely qualified for what you do? Honestly, I think it's empathy. Um, I consider myself an empath and a lot of the time, whether I'm working with students, working a regular nine to five job or working on a set, um, using my emotions and being able, uh, having the capacity for other people's emotions have really helped me with being a people person. I kind of just uh, enigmatically fit in wherever I go and I never felt that way growing up. When I was younger, my emotions uh, got in the way. A lot of people kind of uh, had hard time with me being such a happy, bubbly person. You know, I think it just doesn't seem natural to some, you know, oh, but if you're like that with your students, if you're like that when you're on a film set, it just, it naturally flows for some reason. Okay. All right. If you could go back in time, you could talk to little Jace as he was going into his very first classroom 
you took them aside and you're like, look, you gotta, you gotta, this is what's gonna happen for the next, you know, however many years. Here's the one thing you need to know. What's that one thing? Oh man, I would tell him to be brave. I would say, keep the, the niceness about you, keep being happy and be brave and uh, don't delude yourself for the sake of others. Um, I was uh, afraid to be smart growing up and there was a lot of heckling and a lot of uh, bullying for being that kid that seems smart. You know, I don't think of myself as smart. I just worked really hard to learn stuff. That's, that's it, you know. I love it. And do you have any advice for somebody else who wants to go into teaching like that? Oh, absolutely. Um, give it a try first, especially if you are in high school. Offer up your mentorship. Work with uh, boys and girls clubs. Go after school to elementary school, and uh, you'll see that you sit down for 10 minutes with a kid who is panicking or freaking out because they can't color within the lines or uh, they're having trouble spelling and you come in with just your typical who you are as a person with all your experience at the age that you are, these kids look at you like you are just astounding. And so it's a definite ego boost and it also humbles you because you realize, you know, I think of my personal problems as so substantial and I look at these small kids and their biggest problem right now is they're afraid of what their parents or their teachers are going to think about them. And if only someone could step in and just tell them like, Hey, it'll be all right. Like just be a mentor to them. So I highly recommend high school and college, even if you're not studying in education, uh, take some time to go work in the high schools, be a sub while you're in college and earn some money. And you'll kind of really see whether or not you can be an educator. Wonderful. That's fantastic advice. All right, Jace, let's pull back for a second. I want to talk a little bit about more about you kind of personally, if I can. And if possible, I'd like to humble you. Um, see, I believe that we learn the most from our, our failures rather than our successes in life. And obviously, you have had some incredible successes. You've done some amazing things. You're changing lives. However, I'd like to ask you, what is something that you have failed at and what did you learn from it? Oof, I have many failures. I would substantially say that I have, I've learned so much more from my failures than anything else. One of my biggest failures would probably be trying to conform for the sake of others. Whether it be in high school or in college, there were um, numerous times where conformity seemed to be the uh, safest way to not get picked on. And I found myself conforming uh, to my shame uh, to things that I didn't always agree with, whether it was social interactions or how uh, others were treating certain people. A lot of the time, I think that me as an individual, as well as others, we fall into this area where we say, you know, if I keep my head down and if I don't speak up, um, I won't be next or I won't be the next target. And I am not that way now. I am the complete opposite. I'm very outspoken, but I keep a filter. I keep a filter and I know my place when it comes to um, appropriateness. And I think as a kid, I didn't know what was appropriate. I didn't know when to speak up and I didn't know when to stand up for myself because you know I was afraid. 
It's really afraid. I, I'm under, I'm right there with you. I was the exact same way. And at some point you just stop caring. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's what it is. Yeah. Gloves off, filter off. That's right. Okay. What is something you're working to improve on in yourself today? I would have to say time management. Time management continues to escape me because I want to be involved in so many things. Um, I enjoy all of my friends that I have online. Uh, they will invite me, say, hey, we need you for a gaming raid or something. We need your talent. We need your skills. And uh, you, you want to make time for that, but you also have your marriage. You also have your kids. Um, you have your personal health you need to be conscious of, and you need your rest. And so time management continues to be an issue for me because I just want to, I just want to make everybody happy. I just want to help everybody. Anybody that asks for my help, I just, I want to help them even if it, uh, even if it overextends me. Absolutely. Okay. Here's an interesting one. What do you think is something that people misunderstand about you when they first meet you? Ooh, I would say probably my size. I'm uh, over six feet tall, uh, close to six, three, and I'm a pretty substantial guy. And initially when purple people first see me, they kind of, pull back a little like, whoa, that guy's, that guy's pretty big. And I think, I think people don't really see me in terms of this super kind, super friendly, um, inviting person. I'm usually the person that goes up and says hi to someone. And that standoffishness kind of, it, it kind of exudes a little bit. I, like I said, as an empath, I can feel that people are a little bit nervous about me when they first meet me or encounter me. And so I guess the very first thing I want to do is just kind of change that, especially with my students. I walk in and my students go, uh-oh, this guy looks like a, a hard, you know what, like he looks like he's going to be mean. And then I come in and I'm fair and I'm stern and I'm honest. And I get, I get more respect from them that, I feel that it's so earned and it feels like such a gratifying thing to earn that respect, especially from them. That's great. All right. I got a question. Um, this way, way off script, but I'm six, three myself. And I don't know how the houses are there in, in New Mexico, but do you have the same unreasonable fear of ceiling fans as I do? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. The wife and I are in the market for a house right now. And you know, those pitched roofs, they have the ceiling fan on like the extreme edge of like a, of a roof on the edge of the, you know, and I'm, I'm thinking that's going to decapitate or that's going to maim or something, you know? I, I've been in houses where the ceiling was only six feet tall and they had a ceiling fan. I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> I didn't live there thankfully, but I was visiting and like, how do you guys live here? You're all short people. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a thing. Uh, being tall is definitely a thing. And, uh, it's, it's incredible. It's actually also very humbling because uh, sometimes you're at Walmart and you'll get that little old lady that's like, can you reach that on the top shelf? You're like, yeah, yeah, I can. <laughs> oh, I, yeah, I love it. All right, Jace, this has been fantastic. How do people find you? Where are you at on social media? Sure. Okay. Um, so Jace McCormick on Facebook, you can always find me on there. I'm, I'm usually like the first person that pops up. Um, I do have an Instagram as of recently. I just kind of started up again. And it's, um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with Beast Wars. Uh, my Instagram is Optimal Optimus. And so uh, Optimal is spelled as normal. Um, there's an underscore 
and then I use a uh, zero for optima, uh, for optimal. I'm sorry, optimus. Sorry, optimal optimus. And uh, that's actually the same as my gamer tag. My gamer tag is optimal, spelled as normal, and this is on Xbox, of course. And then there's a space, and then it's uh, uh, optimus with a zero. Hey, I love Beast Wars. As long as we don't <laughs> talk about Beast Machines. I know that, that never existed. It <laughs> was a sad day, wasn't it? Yeah. It was. And like the ending wasn't so great either. Just I can't I slugged through it just to watch what happened. Like oh, and man. so disappointed. You just wanted to see all those little happy transformers running, you know, on the you know, the sunrise over over Cybertron, all the all the freed little transformers, you know. Yeah. Yeah. There there's a group on Facebook for Beast Wars and it's a Beast Wars Societies and there's discussions on there about how beast machines kind of went real philosophical, you know? And as a kid, you're like, I didn't pick up on that really, you know? <laughs> yeah, well, I, like I said, it's like Matrix 2 and 3, they don't exist. <laughs> how about Star Wars, if you don't mind me asking, what are your Star Wars preferences? I, you know, I grew up with the original trilogy. Um, the, the prequels are, two and three were good. I like two and three. Number one, you know, Jar Jar just was so out of place and like it was so over the top, but the new ones, they're good. It just felt like they lack punch. Like they're, I liked them. They just, it just was missing something. I can't put my finger on it. No, I absolutely agree. Um, I would have to say, and this may cause a divide, uh, uh, my, my absolute favorite is episode three. It's just... It was just the the turning point for me. It was a it was a defining moment in the series to kind of see how they tied everything together. Uh, whether it was perfect or not, I just I thought it was great to have that, to yeah. see that transformation and that turn. So, all right, I love it. All right, Jason McCormick, thank you so much for coming on with us today. Yes, thank you. And finally, I just want to say that uh, it's been a pleasure being on your show. If anyone is interested in acting. Look to your local groups, look to your theater groups, look online for castings, just look out for whatever resource you can find and you can get out there and start working on film sets. That's right. All right. And everybody else, as we wrap this up, I will remind you all, don't be just a gamer, be a gamerpreneur. <laughs>